James chapter 1, we're going to read several verses here, and then we'll dive into the message today. If you're there, say amen. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, I, I love this. He starts out really nice. Dear uh, Greetings, and then he goes right into it. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, can I get an amen this morning? Consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Everybody say a chance. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, for their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Place your hand on your Bible this morning, place your hand on your iPhone, whatever you're reading, and let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I believe that it's going to speak to us. It's going to speak life to us today. It's going to encourage us. And we're going to leave here ready to take on the world. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said? Amen. 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 I don't know about you. I don't know how you grew up. But I grew up in a very different world than the one in which I live today. When I grew up, you know, we come to church on Sunday morning here. We have church at 10 a.m. You know, you guys are out by 11.20, 11.30. At 11.45, you're already in line at the Golden Corral. I mean, you know, 90-minute service or less, and they're wonderful, and I, and I love church today. I'm not upset about it. I'm just telling you that when I grew up, it was not that way. Listen, if church was not two and a half hours, we did not have church. And, and, and then we had two services in the morning. And then, you know, every Sunday afternoon, I, would, I only went to two places after church on Sunday to eat lunch. Two places and two places only. Number one, one of my grandmas would cook, and we would go there. That was always a wonderful day. Uh, and number two, my family, a, a guy in the church, he was, a, he was an usher up in the balcony, an older gentleman, and he would come up to my dad every Sunday and give him a Pentecostal handshake. You know what a Pentecostal handshake is? Handshake with a little cash in the middle of it. And he would say, Pastor, great job today. That word was life-changing. And, and, and he would give, you know, dad, I don't know, 25 bucks or whatever. And in those days, my entire family could go eat at Casa Olay for $20, $25. Do you remember that? Kids were eating for like two bucks a piece. Whatever didn't fill them up with a cheese enchilada uh, kid's plate, you could fill them up on chips and hot sauce. They were good for at least 24 hours. I mean, you know. 
And then I would go home, I'd play with my cousins, I'd play, Sunday afternoons were for football or baseball or getting in trouble or whatever else I was doing. But about 4.45, I had to go clean up, shower up, get dressed up because we came back to church to do it again at 6 o'clock. And again, it was not a little, let's just come in here, have a good time and go. Boy, we had church. Sundays were for church. Wednesdays were for church and youth and kids and Bible study. And, but yet, you know, we don't live in that world anymore. It seemed like when I was growing up, all of the world revolved around a walk with God and a relationship with God and about being engaged with your local church. Everyone I knew seemed to set their calendars by Sundays and Wednesdays. Schools didn't have uh, events on Wednesday evenings. No one practiced on Wednesday evenings. There was no homework giving on Wednesday nights because people went to church. Restaurants didn't open till after church on Sunday morning, and, and businesses weren't open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And yet now, it's not the case. America, it, our current America has been described as a post-Christian society. Meaning, we don't revolve our lives around the house of God, around the things of God anymore. We revolve our, our lives around the things that make us feel good, about the things that, that we enjoy. Not all of them are bad, and I'm not knocking all of them, but I'm just telling you, Sundays are not necessarily for church anymore. Fewer people are going to church on Sunday than, than have in many, many, many years in America. But it isn't just about church attendance. You, you live in the real world. You know what it's like out there. The world has changed. In many ways, it's a dark world. And somehow, we have to have a faith, a walk with God, a belief system that doesn't just work within these four walls. You see, I could preach to you the greatest revelations in the world that might blow your mind, that, that might, you might leave here being astounded at what it meant and what the Word of God meant. But if it didn't work when you went to school or went to work or were in your neighborhood or were at a restaurant or were hanging out with your friends this week, what good is the greatest revelation you've ever heard if it doesn't work in, the, in a dark world? What good is it to have a faith if the faith fails when things get difficult? When, when, when we have to live our lives with ungodly people every single day and we can't get away from them, the truth is you're not supposed to. You see, we're not trying to create churches where everybody just comes here and stays here because it's safe here. I, I figure Sunday mornings are kind of like having a good holiday event where all your family comes over. You're excited to have them come over. You work hard to entertain them. You have a good time. You feed them the best meal you can. You want them to stay and hang out. You want to hear about their lives. You want to engage in what's going on. But at some point, you're ready for them to go home. <laughs> Listen, I love all of you guys. And I would stay here as long as you want up to agree. At some point, Listen, I, want, I, want, I want to go home too. Because we weren't designed. This whole thing wasn't set up to just come here and, and we all build a compound here where we live together. That's not the way it's supposed to work. But in fact, there is a faith. There is a way to live this faith out, to work this faith out, that when we go into the dark world, when we go into an un ungodly world, we can not only survive, but we could be difference makers. The Apostle James, he understood this. And he wrote us a letter here to encourage us. 
And I want to tell you, I want to go through these words from the letter of James over the next few weeks as he tells us uh, in his letter how to live, how your faith can work in an ungodly world, how you can make a difference, how we can live it out. I want to have a faith that works. Do you want to have a faith that works? I don't want to have a faith that fails when I need it the most. I don't want to have a faith that fails when things get difficult, when troubles come. And that's what James talks to us about. So give me a few weeks here, if you will, as we walk through his letter, because it's so practical. Here's what he said in verse 1, if you'll throw it back up there for me. He said, I love how he starts, this, this letter is from James. Now, James was the half-brother of Jesus. James never believed in Jesus that he was the son of God. Why would he? He's like, man, I grew up with you. Like, we got the same mama. You're a carpenter just like me. And yet, James later on got a special visit from Jesus. We find this in in one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians, where James got a special visit from Jesus after the resurrection that changed everything for him. James James then becomes one of the greatest believers in Jesus uh, of all of the apostles. They said that his knees, speaking of 21 days of prayer, they said that he spent so much time on his knees in prayer that his knees were like the knees of a camel. They were so calloused up from kneeling and praying. That's the James that we are hearing from here, but it's not the James that started. The James that started thought Jesus was crazy. He goes on to be the leader of the church of Jerusalem. Uh, He's a very important man. It was him that stepped in between Peter and Paul when they were about to kill each other. And James stepped in and said, hold on, fellas, we're all on the same side here. This is James, an important man. And yet he starts out this letter by saying, James, a slave. Now, some of your versions might say bondservant, but what they mean is, what what the the literal interpretation is, he said, I am a slave, not the best of introductions. In my opinion, I mean, he he could have uh, given his title something like this. This is a letter from James of the tribe of Judah, of the house of David, of the royal lines of the kings of Judah. But no, he didn't do that. He could have said, this is James, the eldest brother of Jesus, who is the incarnate son of God. No, he didn't do that. He could have said, this is James, the pastor of the first Christian church of the world. But no, he said, James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I have determined that though Jesus freed me, I have made myself willingly a slave to him because of what he's done for me. Then he goes on. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. So he gives us some context of what this letter is going to be about. Are you okay this morning? He gives us some context as to what is going to happen in this letter. Twelve tribes refers to the twelve tribes of Israel, who, when they, uh, of, of course, came from the sons of Israel. And then when they left Egypt, when they settled in the promised land, they each had their own area, their own town, their own countryside, if you will, that they settled in. All the tribes had a different area. Now, over the course of the years... Uh, as they were conquered, the, they, the tribal distinctions dissipated as men and women and children were scattered all abroad as slaves to other nations who had conquered them. They were taken here and taken there and taken all over. So the 12 tribes is more of a figurative thing at this point than speaking to actual regions. 
But he says, I want you to know, you, you may be scattered all over the world. Why does it matter that they're scattered all over the world? Why did he mention that? He mentions it because James understood something. I live right here in Jerusalem where Jesus did much of his ministry, where he hung on a cross, where the Holy Spirit was poured out, where the church is exploding in growth. It was in Jerusalem that the church grew by 3,000 in one day after one sermon. He's, so they had this, uh, even though they were being persecuted, they had some protection. They had some safety. There was some light going on in Jerusalem. But scattered abroad, all the way around the world, there were Christian believers that were trying to walk out their faith in societies and in cultures and in nations that were totally dark and totally against what they were trying to do. So he's saying, just like we are in America today, he's saying, for those of you that are trying to walk out your faith in an ungodly, dark world that is not trying to get you closer to God, but pull you away, I'm going to write this letter for you. So for every person in our nation today that don't be frustrated about where America is, it's not worth it. Let's figure out how to be the light. Let's figure out how to be the difference. And that's why James wrote this letter, because we can be the difference. So, to the believers scattered abroad, greetings. And he, he just comes right out with it. First topic, and, and his letter covers a number of topics that we'll go over in the next few weeks. But he said, let's just deal with the elephant in the room. You're all being persecuted. You're all being hated on. Some of you are dying. Some of you are being whipped and thrown in jail. I mean, listen, this is not a good situation. So let's just get it out of the way right up front. When troubles come. If you've lived a little while, you know that it's not if troubles come, but when troubles come. It, it's not about, well, it may, you know, uh, so far the Lord has protected me and I believe he's going to keep doing it. No, no, no. Enjoy where you are. If you're in the calm and in the storm, just enjoy it. Just smile. Encourage someone else because I, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be a prophesier of bad things. I just... If you've lived a little while, you know when troubles come. He said, when troubles come. He, he's setting us up. What do we do when troubles come? And he gives us three things we can do. Three things that would help you when troubles come. If you're going through difficult times, three things that can help you. Uh, nod your head at me right now if you've got a few troubles in your life and you've you got a few things like, Lord, I could use a little help. All right. Paul, uh, James is talking to you right up front. And so here's what he says. When troubles come, first thing we got to do is we have to change our perspective. The first thing you do is change your perspective. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Randy? How, what are you talking about? He says it right up front. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. When troubles come, when they happen, don't get upset, don't get angry, don't start yelling at the world, don't, don't throw your cell phone across the room. No, consider it an opportunity for great joy. James, what are you talking about? This is not an opportunity for great joy. I'm going through the, the, the greatest challenge of my life. And you want joy? No, man, I'm just trying not to go back to jail. Consider it great joy. I, I love this, this word consider here. Because when it doesn't feel like joy, 
He said, consider it. He didn't say you have to feel it all the time. He said, consider it. The word consider means to think carefully about in order to make a decision. Think carefully on it so you can decide about it. It it means to regard or deem to be. So we we decide I'm going to regard it as joy. We decide I'm going to regard it as a great opportunity. He says to think, believe, or suppose. So here's what he's saying. He's like, listen, the whole world may not think it's an opportunity for great joy, but I want you to think on it. I want you to meditate on it, and I want you to decide, make a decision. When these circumstances tell you it's not good, you look at it and decide, this is an opportunity for great joy. What have you decided about the troubles you're facing? Have you decided to let your emotions rule? Have you decided to let anger take over? Have you decided to let anxiety and stress take over? Have you decided to be uh, frustrated with the world and take it out on other people, take it out on your spouse, take it out on your kids? Have you decided to give up and just say whatever happens, happens? Have you decided to lose faith in God? Or have you decided that I'm going to look at my troubles square in the eye and say, you know what? You are an opportunity for great joy. What have you decided? Consider it. I love that word uh, opportunity. I love that word opportunity because some things, uh, they don't come fully completed. They, they come an opportunity to see God do something. It's an opportunity to, to see something grow in you. You see, you can seize the opportunity for great joy or you can be seized by worry and stress and guilt and shame and anger and anxiety. You can be seized by other things. No, I'm going to seize every opportunity to have great joy. So number one, you've got to change your perspective and decide to see your troubles differently. Number two, verse three and four he says, for know that when your faith is tested, your endurance, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Uh, I grew up reading the New King James Version. That's what my father always preached from. And he would say, it would read like this, the testing of your faith produces perseverance or endurance or it, it, it would it, these words now this word endurance or perseverance when you take it back to the greek the the word means to make a decision to carry the weight so you have these weights if you can imagine someone's putting all these weights on your shoulder you have a decision to make Will I stay or will I do everything I can to get out of it? When the problems come in your life and you're you're struggling in your marriage and things are not going well and troubles are not coming, they are here and have been here. And this weight is on your shoulders. You have a decision to make. Will I stay and carry the load until God sees me through? Or will I get out from under it and run and start over again? Now, there are certain situations that you need to get out. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just telling you, when you are under a weight, if you're struggling with your marriage today, I want you to be encouraged because endurance is making the decision to stay 
on the wait and say, God, you're, I'm being tested right now. Troubles are here and I have a decision to make. Can I grow my endurance? You see, there's purpose in your trouble. There's purpose in what God is trying to do for you. He's trying to grow something in you. He's trying to perfect something in you. And when endurance has completed its work, you will be perfect and you will be complete, lacking nothing. He's trying to do something in you, but can we trust him long enough to see him do it? Or do we put it aside? Do we say, no, Lord, I'm going to not carry that. I'm not going to worry about that. But I love this. What is being produced? What is being produced? It's not faith being produced. It's endurance being produced. You see, we think that the troubles we're going through are to build our faith. That's not the case. Here's what he said. The testing of your faith produces endurance or perseverance faith is being tested not being produced when you step into troubles and you step into a test went to take a test at school when you went in they were testing what you already knew it was too late to study it was too late to ask the teacher a question They were testing what you already knew. So the troubles you're in today are testing the faith that you already have. Here's the good news about that. Uh, The Bible tells us that God's not going to give us more than we can bear. So I want to encourage you today so that you know this. You have faith if you'll activate it. You can pass the test. We say, well, Pastor Rannon, how do I produce faith in my life? How do I get faith? If it's not through the troubles, y'all okay this morning? You're looking at me a little confused, okay? So, so if, the, if the test, if the trouble is not producing faith, it's producing endurance. It's just testing my faith. Well, if, if I feel like I'm failing the test, if I feel like I'm failing and I need more faith, what do I do? Here's what Paul wrote to us in the book of Romans. He said it like this. So faith comes from hearing. Faith doesn't come from testing. Faith doesn't come through troubles. No, faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. How do you build your faith? You build your faith by doing exactly what you're doing this Sunday morning. When when we open the Word of God and we read the Word of God and we talk about what Jesus has done for us, it builds our faith when we realize there's some good news going on and he's already died on the cross for our sins so if you're struggling with sin he's already forgiven you you just have to receive it and give it to him he already whipped the whipping post for your healing so if you're needing the healing in your body he's already done that there's good news he already sent the holy spirit he sent power he sent gifts he sent working of miracles he sent the gift of healing he sent words of knowledge words of wisdom he sent all of these things that are available to you and that is the good news of jesus christ so when we preach the word and when we hear the word it builds our faith so that when we walk into the test we know oh I've already been hearing the word today why is it so important to get in the house of God because when I'm facing troubles I need to be full of the word of God of the good news about Christ so that my faith will stand the test that is in front of me this week faith doesn't come by the troubles faith comes by hearing 
That is hearing the good news. Well, Pastor Randon, you need to you need to uh, you need to hit on sin a whole lot more. Well, we do some, but you know what we ought to do? We ought to build people's faith by talking about the good news. When when you leave here, you ought to feel good about life. You ought to be ready to take on the world because this is this word good news is also translated as gospel. The gospel is good news, and when you leave, you ought to feel good. You ought to feel like my God loves me and He. He died for me and he wants to do great things in my life he wants to be with me and I can pass the test and I can overcome the troubles and no matter what comes my way I, my God is with me because my faith is strong can I get an amen this morning I, I don't want you to leave here feeling beaten and broken down and leave here stumbling out the door backs kind of hurting like Pastor, beat me up today. No, no, no. We, we may have to talk about the truth of the Word of God, and it may get you a little bit, but in the end, I want you to be lifted up because it's good news. It's good news. It's good news. There's a purpose in your trouble. He's building something in you. Your faith is being tested, but you can pass the test. <clears throat> Then he goes on, you see, the next thing he's going to give us is he's going to teach us that there is a process to getting through troubles. There is a process to getting through the troubles. He, he, he tells us in, in verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Number one is this, ask God for wisdom. You know, troubles in your life bring a necessary season to seek wisdom. Troubles force us to go, man, what do I do? Have you ever had that same? Like, what do I do now? Man, I'm not sure what to do here. You know what you're asking for? You're asking for wisdom. But what we ought to do, and listen, I'm in, I'm, I encourage you to talk to people in your life, especially people that, that have gone before you, people that know more, people that are coaching you or mentoring you or helping you. I encourage that. But you know, we should never stop there. We should always ask the Lord who gives generously. He gives generously. Lord, I need some wisdom. No problem. Stop and listen a little bit, and he's going to give you some wisdom. He gives it generously. He doesn't give you like, like well, I need, a, I need a, a level 10 wisdom, and he gave you a level 1, and be like, oh, you can figure out the rest on your own. No, 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 no. He gives generously. So ask God for wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge. Someone said, knowledge can tell you how to take something apart, but wisdom helps you put it back together. Knowledge is, is knowing something. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge. We need wisdom. We, got all, we have access to all the knowledge in the world, but it's wisdom to know what to do with it. And so ask God. And first thing we've got to do is ask God. I'm going through some troubles, Lord, and I don't know what to do. Ask. And here's the good news. If you're in the middle of some troubles and you say, man, I got here and realized I didn't know what I was doing. I've tried it my own way. Here's the other thing that, that James tells us. He says, he will not rebuke you for asking. You see, what the enemy wants to say to you is, don't ask God. You should already know this. You've been saved for too long. You've been doing this too many times. You've messed up too bad. If you go to God now, he's going to fold his arms and shake his head at you. He's going to point that God finger right at you. He's going to get you told. No, no, no. God is not trying to rebuke you. When you come to him, and you ask him for wisdom, he says, I'll give it generously, and I'll be there with you to help you along the way. Ask God. Number two is this. Second way is we have to anchor 
your faith. We have to anchor your faith. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Your faith is in God alone. I say to people all the time, well, Pastor Randon, how can you have your faith in God alone and still go to the doctor? I'll go to the doctor. I'll take Tylenol. I'll take the, if they tell me I need this or that, I'll do that. I'll do whatever the doctor says. But my faith's not in the doctor. My faith's not in the Tylenol. My faith is in God. Now, because here's what I understand. God's, God's involved and God's in charge of my life. And I, and I pray all the time. And you, you will hear me pray this. If I'm praying that you're going in for a surgery or something or they're trying to figure something out, I'm going to pray for your doctors too. I don't even care if they're saved or unsaved. I don't care what religion they are. I don't care what color they are. I'm going to pray that God speaks to them because my faith is not in the doctor. My faith is in God. That, my faith is anchored in God. He is the root of it all. So yeah, I'll do this. I'll do that. That doesn't decrease my faith in God because I know he's the source of all of my life. And, if, and, and, if, if, and that's just the way it is. So yeah, I'll do that. I'll, you know, I, my great grandparents wouldn't go to the doctor. They were just such believers. They would not go to the doctor, wouldn't take medicine. Uh, my grandmother tells me that her mom would never take um, I don't know if you know this, Pastor Christopher, that our great-grandmother would like never take Tylenol, just refuse to take any headache medicine. That's some serious faith. I'm not, I, listen, my faith is not weaker because I took two Tylenol this morning. I had a headache. So I took the Tylenol and said, Lord, bless my head, bless my mind right now. I'm ready to go preach the word. So if you'll help me, we'll go do this thing. My faith is in God. Anchor your faith. Number three, we've got to align your mind. You have to align your mind. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. He said, um, the, the word here is a double-minded man, a double-minded man. It's like being tossed by the waves of the sea. When, when, if you can imagine a wave, if you were riding a wave, first of all, the waves are being controlled by something else, some outside force that does not have the best interest of the wave in mind. And, and when the winds and the storms of the world are crashing against the waves, pushing them and pulling them, the wave is in a constant, unstable flux, not knowing where to go. They're one day they're rising on hope. You, you come to church one day and it's like, man, that was a great message, Pastor. My hope is high. But the next day, the winds hit you again and you go and you're brought down into despair. And it's like, I'm up one day and I'm down the next. And James is saying, you can't live life that way with the highs and the lows. He said, listen, things are going to come, but I want your faith to be strong in God no matter what the storms are doing. Double-minded here, it's, it's actually translated double-souled. Two souls, two souls, meaning we're trying to go through uh, life and, and we are trying to get to heaven but hold on to the things of this world. We're trying to be closer to God and yet we're trying to think like the world. We're, we're trying to have faith in God, and yet the troubles that we're facing are pulling on us at the same time. And so you have this problem where faith is pulling you one way and doubt is pulling you the next way and you're going through life and it's one way this way and one way that way and you have one soul that's saying I want to be close to God and I'm trying to get there but you have this other part of your soul that's saying but the problems are real and I'm facing them and they're everywhere and I don't know what to do and they're pulling you to the left and pulling you to the right but don't be that way no 
anchor your faith and align your mind with the word of God. And when you go to him and ask him, you can expect to receive an answer. You can expect to receive help because you're over here saying, Lord, my mind and my heart is anchored in you. My faith is in you and troubles are coming. And I know that there's that other part of me that's trying to pull me back, but I am standing strong. And hang in there because this is an opportunity for great joy. We cannot live our lives and have a faith that makes a difference if we're going to have a loyalty that is divided between God and the world. Can you endure? Can Can you change your perspective to see the opportunity that is before you? You may be asking, Um, why I'm wearing this shirt that says Team Rhino. I know I've had about uh, several of you ask me about it today. Some of you know. In June, one uh, of the men of our church was working in Minnesota as an engineer. And uh, the place where he was working had a major explosion and nearly killed him. He was uh, burning, saw a white light, didn't know if he was alive or not. Eventually, his partner drug him out, and he made it out and was raced to ICU, to Regents Hospital there in Minnesota, and into the burn unit, and he was fighting for his life. His wife was here. She took off on a plane. You've heard me talk about it some. Many of you have been praying with us about it. And uh, this is a picture of Ryan uh, just uh, a little while ago. Uh, Great-looking, young, healthy guy right there, smart uh, job offers from NASA and, and all over, and uh, great man. And this is a picture while he's at the burn unit, uh, wrapped in his bandages and things. His wife sent me these pictures today. Uh, this is the, the realities of things. He, they thought he was going to lose his fingers, and he said, no, I'm not losing my fingers. And, uh, and he, was, he was battling. But their faith stood and passed the test. And that's Ryan. One more picture. This is him and his wife, I think, uh, on their plane ride home from Minnesota. And he goes by Rhino. And uh, so the fam- some of the family made these shirts and raising money. And uh, so my wife and I and some of our pastors bought them to support. We had a welcome home party for him yesterday. And I want you to know that he and his wife, Haley, are here. Will you all come up really quickly? This right here is some incredibly strong people. When you hear, I, I don't know if you've been, if y'all are uh, friends with Haley on Facebook. I told them this last night. I'm going to tell them myself just a minute. But she po- she's been posting all the way along. And, and I read almost every post. She writes novels every time. <laughs> and I read them all and, and I cry every time. And every, I usually read them before I go to bed. And I, and I read and I pray for their family. And there's a couple nights, so I'm not going to lie, I said, I can't take it tonight. I can't take it. It's too much. She makes me cry. Hearing their stories about flying home on the plane. But yet their faith stood strong. And I'm so amazed by every picture you see of them. They're smiling. I saw a picture, and, and Ryan is in therapy. And you know he's working, and he's, and he's straining. But at the same time, there's this, 
like while he's straining, you can see the smile coming through. And I was talking to them yesterday while we while at the party. She was had written about their story. It was so incredible. And I'm going to tell you one day I'm going to bring them up and we're going to talk through it all. Is that going to be okay? And I'm going to tell you what it, their story is unbelievable. But I, I was listening to them, and I already knew what I was preaching today. I'd already uh, worked on my sermon, and I'm listening. I'm like, you know what? This is James chapter 1 walking right here. And I, I'm going to get you to pray over them with me here in just a moment. Before you do, can I read this verse to you? Verse 12. And, and I want to just speak this word over your life. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And I want to speak these two things over you. First of all, God is blessing you. And you know that. It's, it comes out of you. But I want to confirm that in you, that God is blessing you. And they say you've got a three-year battle. I'm believing God's going to reduce that. But afterward, afterward, there's a crown of life that he's going to place on your heads. And when you walk through the world, people are going to look at you and they're going to see something in your life. Now, we know it's the crown of life that God has given you. They may not, but it's going to be an opportunity for God to be glorified everywhere that you go. You hang in there. You're strong. There are going to be times when you're like, we're exhausted. I want you to know that the strength of God is going to be with you. That the strength of these church people are praying for you. And I don't know how many hundreds were here yesterday, but packed out people believing in you and praying for you. You are not alone, but you are a light. I want you to know how proud of you I am big things in store. Y'all want to pray for him really quickly? Yeah. Can I get some of my pastors to join me? Y'all turn this way and face me. Is that okay? Okay. Father, I pray for Ryan, for Haley, and for their entire family, Lord God. I thank you that you protected him, that you would not let go of him in his hour, in his moment of need. Lord, I thank you that you brought him through. And though troubles have come to his doorstep, Lord God, you are, gonna, you are making this an opportunity for great joy that through him, through Haley, through their family, Lord, you will be glorified. That the world will be different because of them. That, Lord, you are going to use this for your good and for their good. And somehow great blessings are in store. Lord, you said that it wouldn't be the pastor that blesses them or their friends that bless them. But, God, you said you would bless them. So, God, bless them right now. Lord, I am declaring upon them a crown of life that can only come upon you. Lord, when their, when their strength wanes, I pray that something deep inside of them would rise up. May it be the prayers. May it be the strength. May it be their Lord Jesus who gives them the strength, Lord God, to battle again, to go again, Lord God. Lord, when their smile begins to wane, Lord, may you lift them up and may your presence be with them, that in your presence there would be fullness of joy. I thank 
thank you for it right now. Lord, I declare that their future is bright, that big things are in store for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Bless you. Remain standing. I want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor Ann, I'm going through some troubles and I, I don't know if I have the faith. Today, I want you to be encouraged by the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to pray over you that, that as you endure, God is blessing you and that a crown of life is coming your way. Can I bless you this morning? Father, I pray for the people of God today, those in this room, those watching online. Lord, I declare right now that they, their faith will stand, that they will make it through. The troubles in their life will not defeat them, but it is an opportunity for great joy. Bless them today, Lord God. Your word says that you would bless them. So God, reach down your hand and bless your people today. today. May faith stand strong. May we not be tossed back and forth by the wind and the waves, but God, may we be anchored in you, an anchor for our soul. I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, God, release wisdom now. Amen.